Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Press Play, your ambitious casual movie podcast, where I, Rob, one of your hosts, is I am joined by actually the guy who's probably more, uh, he's more capable of speaking on these things than I am, Michael. How you doing, dude? What's going on, guys? It is, I'm glad to be here. It is a pleasure to be here with the great Rob. Um, super excited to be on the first episode of uh, Press Play. Um, gonna really excited to kind of just pick your brain and see what's going on here in the, the world of film. Yeah, for real, for real. As uh, we get into this introduction, guys, real quick, I just want to let you all know, Press Play, like I said, is your movie podcast where we discuss and review movies for your amusement. If you have any questions, comments, or recommendations on movies for us to watch, let us know in the comments section or reach out to us either on Twitter at Ambitious Casual, or you can email us at pressplay at ambitiouscasual.com. Guys, those who are listening on the podcast services, utilize the timestamps provided to you within the info of the podcast so that way you can jump around to the areas that you want to. I know that everybody has the time to listen to an entire hour podcast. So they're there for you. And without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Guys, I'm really excited for this. This is the uh, Ambitious Casual movie podcast. If those who have never listened to anything else I've done, I actually have a, a video game podcast called the XP Podcast that I do with two other people. And I've always been a big fan of both mediums, uh, movies and video games a lot. And Michael, being a good friend of mine, well, I feel like you were the perfect person to have on as a co-host to discuss anything regarding movies and stuff like that and uh, and as a matter of fact before i pass it on to you uh before we get right into it uh we did go see the room and met uh tommy wiseau together man so, what a character good old good old tommy huh what a, what a guy <laughs> maybe one day we can get him on the podcast i know he probably would i mean have you ever been to like a wax museum before it's kind of like <laughs> It's kind of like looking at a man, you know, living, breathing person. They just look like he was made out of wax. Like I've never met someone that just looks so, uh, it's probably going to trigger some people, but very moist. He just looked yeah, very, uh, absolutely not, not real, but he, I mean, he had some really good words of wisdom, you know, he just, uh, you sure did. What he, do you remember what he said? I'm trying to remember his quote. Dude, I'm uh, trying to remember, I'm trying to remember what he said as well. And I can't for the life of me remember it. He, I don't even want to attempt to do a Tommy impression right now. I'm kind of half tempted, but uh, he's like, he's like, just go for it, man. Just go yeah. for it. <laughs> he says, he says something right. like that. He's like, you just, uh, you know, just, just write your heart out. You know, just believe yeah. in yourself. And I was like, thanks, Tommy. Spoke like a true softball coach. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I've never been, I've never been more influenced in my life until I met good old Tommy Wiseau. As a matter of fact, I went to go buy his script, which. Like in in all seriousness, when you kind of think about it, it wasn't the actual script. He he just had an HP, uh, an HP printer in his hotel room, and he, I think he 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 made ten copies of it. And I went and bought it, overpriced, thirty five dollars, I think it was. Yeah, and no, had, he just went to FedEx office, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I got this award winning script. I need to build uh, <laughs> ten copies. Uh, can I give you a uh, you know fifty euros for it?" And they're like, "Tommy." You know, we can't accept Tommy. that. This is the United States. No, no. <laughs> euros? 50 euros. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Yeah, but anyways, we did have that experience. And uh, that night was a crazy night for me just because of the fact that we got home. And I think I dropped you off at... Dude, it was late. No, actually, you drove. Uh, you uh, well, Actually, let me rephrase it. I drove to your place, <laughs> and then we both went to the movie theater. But yeah. we got home, 
if I'm not mistaken, somewhere near like two o'clock in the morning. Dude, it was late. And it was very late. <laughs> it was very that. late. And I had to actually go to work at six o'clock in the morning the next day. And I was like, I'm not, I, for some reason in my mind, I was like, it doesn't make any sense for me to go home. So I just w- drove straight to work, which was like an hour away from where you were at. Oh, and, I didn't know this. Wow. And so, and so I got to work at three o'clock in the morning and I slept in my car till five 30 and then boom, there we go. Started the new, next day of shift. And then, You're uh, every, man, Robert. I did not I, know that. Wow. I, yeah. Yeah. I even got dinner. Cause I was, I was super hungry. Stopped at Whataburger, but that's, that's, <laughs> n- that's neither here or there getting right into the show. And let's get into the meat of it guys. Okay. This is, this is the first, the first, uh, the first press play podcast in regards to movies. And if you've clicked on this podcast, you know what we're talking about. We're talking about the good old movie Shang-Chi. But before we get into that movie, I got a couple things we want to go over. So first things first, I want to go over some trailer talk. Trailer talk is going to be a section within the show where we probably saw some trailers that we liked during the in between the the the, the recordings of the podcast that we just want to discuss. So first things first on trailer talk i want to bring up and I, I, michael i don't know if you saw any of these trailers that i put i, I put two of them <laughs> um and so the first one i put is the tragedy of macbeth being directed and adapted for the screen by joel cohen and then it, it stars denzel washington as macbeth and francis mcdormand as lady macbeth did you watch this trailer so funny enough i literally watched it 10 minutes before we started this podcast <laughs> you're <laughs> so- fresh yeah, I'm I'm very fresh. So I got 56, 56 seconds of the trailer. I mean, that's pretty much how long it was, anyways. But um, it's barely anything. Yeah, but um, I did not know it was by a twenty four. So that's very exciting. Um, you know, they, they they just don't miss. Um, I'm pretty sure they're pretty like nine for ten, pretty much. Like most of their stuff is pretty good, pretty consistent, really new, uh, nuance. I was getting some very um hard lighthouse vibes just based off the black mm, and white mm, just the film yeah. style and then uh the green knight i don't know if you got the chance to exactly. see the green knight recently exactly. but that's exactly what i thought when i watched it which funny enough both of those movies i believe were by 824 as well yes so definitely interesting to see how this will play out um you know always always excited to see training day denzel washington coming coming <laughs> you know pick up a sword knock a couple of heads uh um, heck yeah but to be honest with you, I really don't know anything about Macbeth. I did not read the play or Same. anything like that. So I have no idea what Macbeth Same. I thought Macbeth was like a chick the whole time. So I mean, I guess there's <laughs> Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. So there's, I guess it's just the last name or whatever. Um, and other than that, I just know it's uh, something you shouldn't say when you're doing like a theater performance or something like that. Um, to say Macbeth or something like that. So okay. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's got Joel Cohen. Um, it's interesting because it's not with his brother um it yeah looks like just him just, himself just him doing his solo dolo thing so that's pretty cool um so we'll see how it turns out man i'm, I'm kind of excited I'm, I'm kind of you know i'm cautiously interested i'll say that um yeah i don't I'll, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out it might be a little too artsy for me um mm. just because of how the green white night was i i really liked that i really digged it but it was one of those movies where you just kind of have to watch once <laughs> and it wasn't really? something i could see myself watching again yeah it was it was it was interesting though. There was a lot of themes, and I think you know there's going to be a lot of that with Macbeth as well. Just a lot of uh, themes going on that you know after like an hour of just like letting your brain cool off after you just you just watched, um, you know, look back and kind of be like, oh, so that's what that means, or yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I I totally agree. But and so in the sense of, I loved the Green Knight. Like I we, I me and me and my wife Vanessa we went and saw it. 
and she just fell asleep. She hated it. I think <laughs> she, she wasn't quite she wasn't quite aware in regards to like what was the setting of the movie and anything regarding knights or things like that. She's just not into it. And I didn't know that until we watched that movie. And so leaving that theater, I was blown away. I loved I loved that movie. I loved the, the just the, the, it was so artsy to an extent where I like it wasn't too over like over the top for me. I I really grasped it a lot. And the fact that it was made by A24, it made me wonder like I wonder if any time in the production of The Green Knight A24 as a, as a as a publishing studio was like, "Hey, we this this seems like this is actually doing well. Let's try to see if we can do something else like this." And so when I saw the trailer for The Tragedy of Macbeth, in my mind I was kind of like, "You know what? I wonder if they're trying to Trying to do it again. Trying know? to replicate it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think the big issue with the Green Knight, I know we're kind of getting sidetracked here, but in regards to the Green Knight, I think the biggest issue was on how the movie was marketed. I think A24 mm. wasn't very sure on how to market. So for me, I, I still like the movie. I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But I definitely had a different expectation based on the trailers of how the movie was going to be. And I think that was the issue that a lot of people had. I think people were coming into this thinking it's going to be like some Lord of the you know, Lord of the Rings kind of movie mm. where it's going to be a lot of action and fighting. Absolutely. And for those who haven't watched The Green Knight, you know, spoiler alert, three, two, one, um, <laughs> you know, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of, you know, there's not a whole lot of that. There's not a lot of fighting. It's more no. semantical. It's more, it's more poetic, I guess you could say. Exactly. But there's a lot of um, symbolism and, you know, anecdotes and stuff you kind of have to analyze, which I love doing anyways, but, you know, I'm someone that's, you know, knee deep in film. So I, I love film and just analyzing film for someone that's more like a casual watcher. You're going to absolutely hate that movie. So I don't, totally, <laughs> I, don't, totally. I, don't I don't blame Vanessa for feeling that way. Yeah. Um, with Macbeth, I definitely feel like they're, their fingers on the pulse on that one. I think they, they definitely have a better feel for what they're doing. Cause I definitely, you know, right off the bat, just with the black and white, I could already tell it's going to be a really artsy fartsy film, Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I, I'm excited to see it um, regardless. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, is kind of interesting. I guess they're doing a, um, a deal with a, uh, Apple TV. It looked like with uh, the yes. streaming service. Yes. That, that, that's really cool um, dude they're throwing money left and right to anybody now <laughs> yeah because that's, that's i mean if we're talking about the streaming service race here they're pretty pretty far back i don't really need to you know, hear anybody talk about oh yeah my apple tv subscription you know it's usually hulu <laughs> netflix amazon prime but not a lot of people talk about apple tv so no it'll be interesting to see how that plays in their favor i will say for apple tv they did they did strike like a good piece of fire with the Ted Lasso. I That's will say season one. I, I'm right. not, I'm not going to go into a conversation about season two because, Oh my God, I can go on forever about season two. <laughs> but season one, they, they, they striked gold with that one. And so if anything that put them on the map and you can tell that they are in this race of trying to like come up and trying to get these movies going and going and going. So Apple TV plus teaming up with a 24 in regards to, uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. Another movie I want to talk about, as we're actually talking about Apple TV Plus, surprisingly, is Finch. Uh, Finch is a movie that's being directed by Miguel Sapochnik. I believe that's how you say uh, pronounce his last name. I know he's done something in Game of Thrones. He's directed like six episodes of Game of Thrones, but other than that, I'm not really familiar with much of his work. And his stars Tom Hanks as the lead character Finch. Now, looking at the trailer, it looks as if Tom Hanks is like. This guy who lives in this post-apocalyptic world, though everything is like a desert. It almost kind of looks like Mad Max kind of thing, uh, but just one man by himself. And he creates this robot and he has a pet dog. So 
think of I Am Legend, but with the robot and Tom Hanks instead of Will Smith. And you can tell Apple TV Plus has like they must have thrown like tons of hundreds of millions of dollars to Tom Hanks to get him to sign on for multiple movies. And this is probably one of those movies in his contract. Um, Michael, did you see the trailer to Finch? I have not. I actually just started looking it up. As soon as you said post-apocalyptic, I was like, my interest <laughs> is peaked. And I looked it up, and it's funny because I looked up Finch. I just Googled it. And the first thing I do is go into images. It's just birds. So I was like, well, it was like, where's like Tom Hanks or the robot or whatever? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I got the actual link here now. Uh, I'm not going to watch the trailer right now. I'm, I haven't seen it. No, you're good. Uh, you're not I'm missing lo- much. I'm looking at the poster right now, but let me tell you, it is right up my alley. It's very interesting. I think Tom Hanks is a phenomenal actor. I think he's oh, America's good. sweetheart in terms of acting. Oh, yeah. um, I actually saw Castaway a couple of weeks ago, and you know, you just kind of forget how you know dynamic of an actor he is. So, um, I mean, honestly, it looks like right up my alley. It looks very interesting. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the movie myself. Um, I don't even. I don't think I'm very familiar with the director, um, Miguel. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. Shapushnik. <laughs> Shapushnik. Okay, got it. <laughs> I don't know if that's Russian or I don't yeah, I'm no idea. European I'm making it all up. <laughs> uh, but it looks interesting. I, I, I would give it the time of day. Uh, for me personally, would it entice me enough to get an Apple TV subscription? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think. Kind of going back to your last point with uh, Ted Lasso, anytime I have heard anything about Apple TV, it's always about Ted Lasso. Apparently, it's yep. a really good show. I haven't seen yep. it. Um, so I think they definitely need a lot more heavy hitters like that, even if it's just like movies like this, um, to kind of get people interested. And I mean, for me personally, I mean, it, this looks pretty solid. I would say it definitely gives me some Mad Max vibes. Um, definitely, I am legend for sure. You're right on the money on that. Um, and, um, I don't know. I, the robot seems like something like straight out of Star Wars or something like that. Kind of reminds he, me of uh, Rogue One or something. A little bit. It kind of gave me like some chappy vibes a little bit. Chappy. I will. I will say, um, when, when, me watching the trailer, I, the story kind of already looks lame to me. If I'm not mistaken, like, and I could be completely really? just thrown off by the trailer itself, but based off of what the trailer was showing me. I got this weird feeling like it was trying to be um, serious, but it had a very light tone to it. And I thought just by the small amount, look, I'm not going to be the person that judges people's performances based off of a trailer. Never do that. But just by everything they were picking for Tom Hanks on that trailer, it was like they were choosing the worst takes for him to say on the trailer. Um, and I love Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks is, I think by far one of the best actors in the entire world. Honestly, there's a scene in the end of captain phillips when he's being rescued and they're they're taking his clothes off to like uh his shirt off after they rescued him that scene right there to me i me personally is the best scene acted by any person ever before that moment and i so i love tom hanks a lot so i'm gonna watch it because of tom hanks the story not so much so far but i mean i guess we'll have to wait and see so honestly i'm, I'm looking this up real quick um Basically, it looks like this movie was originally announced back in October of 2017 and had a different name. It was called Bios. Um, it looked like the filming was in New Mexico. So okay. what was interesting was that this movie was originally going to be produced and put out by Universal Pictures, and it was supposed to come back um, October 2nd. Um, but it looks like due to the COVID pandemic, it was uh, sold off to Apple Plus, and it's coming out next year, or I guess November 5th of this year. I was going to say next year. So... 
It was so supposed to come out. Yeah, it was supposed to come out last year, but then it looks like they sold off the rights over to Apple Plus, and so it's coming out November fifth of this uh, year. So that's pretty okay. interesting. Okay. Um, and it also has. Uh, it's also being produced by Robert Zemeckis. So if you're familiar with him, mm, he did uh, okay. Back to the okay. Future, and then yeah. uh, you know they've got the get Spielberg's uh, production company also involved as well, Amblin Entertainment. So yeah. a lot of hands in it. So I mean, honestly. That actually kind of sold me a little bit more wanting to watch it because, I mean, if Robert Zemeckis is throwing his weight, he also did um, Forrest Gump with mm-hmm. um, Tom Hanks. So, you know, you got that dynamic yeah. going on. So definitely very worth the watch. I, I, I think I'd give it the time of day for sure. Oh, there you go. I mean, I, honestly, that good, good, good insight on that one. Good insight on that one. <laughs> for sure. And lastly, you threw this one on the dock. We got Dune 2021 directed by Del, uh, Denis Villeneuve. It's uh, starring Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, and a, like, a, a star-studded cast, dude. A wonderful cast. What is your excitement for this movie? Dude, so let me tell you. So Dune is... So everybody listening to the podcast, sit down for this one. Dune <laughs> is the granddaddy of all sci-fi. There wouldn't be a Star Trek if it wasn't for Dune. There wouldn't be a Ooh. Star Wars if it wasn't for Dune. So Dune, Dune is the granddaddy of sci-fi, or at least modern sci-fi by our terms. Um... I don't know how much you know about the book Dune, uh, Robert, but um, Dune I actually. I not know much. It was it was a very hard sell. Uh, the author Frank, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Dune, Frank. The author basically went through several different um, publishing houses, and nobody Frank wanted Herbert. to buy. That's what it was. Frank, <laughs> we were looking at it at the same time. <laughs> uh, so Frank Herbert went through different uh, publishing houses and nobody wanted to take a chance on him except um, this publishing company whose name is escaping me right now. But the funny thing is this publishing company was uh, primarily they just sold manuals for like auto, like cars, basically. It was just like car manuals. So wow. they didn't do like novels. So they were the only publisher that would take a month. So he was able to sell his book to this you know company that was just used to selling, a you know, car manuals and they basically published the book dune and i guess it was just a big heavy hitter because there were several you know sequels after the first original dune um there was an original movie that came out in the 80s by david finch i think is what it was uh or david lynch excuse me um yeah (laughs) it got me thinking about birds now um (laughs) so david lynch directed the the original one in the 80s i actually saw that one uh for me i thought that it was it was good um in, in a way, I think it was way too long. Um, definitely similar situation because you had uh, Patrick Stewart. You had uh, Kyle. He was in Twin Peaks, whatever that guy is. Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, longtime collaborator of David Lynch. Um, so there, there was a lot of opportunity. They even had Sting from the police. They sure did. Uh, <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, he tried to be as true as a source material. But again, you know, it's, it's hard because this book is notorious, absolutely notorious for, you know, being a pain in the ass to kind of adapt into it is long. a movie. It is. It is extremely long. Uh, so I'm very excited to see what uh, Denise uh, has to bring to the – did I pronounce that right, by the way? I was going to say Dennis. I, but I, <laughs> I think the S is, uh, is, is silent, Denis. Denny, okay, Denny, gotcha. I'm really glad that you're pronouncing these names, by the way. I was like, oh, I don't know about the last two. I was like, these are some weird names. Um, so Denny, um, I'm really excited because um, he definitely seems like he's trying to do his best to kind of maintain that um, artistic value from the, the original, but also, you know, can't can get like a modern twist to it. So really excited. Um, I don't know about Timothy Chalamet. I, I hope he really brings it. Um, for me, he kind of, he's a good actor. I wouldn't say he's bad, but he has a very... Um, I think he suffers from Christian Stewart syndrome, um, where he just has really? a very, like a very uh, 
monotone looking face. <laughs> really? Um, I saw him in Lady Bird, and I was just like, I think that was one of the very first times I saw one of his performances. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm a little biased, but um, yeah, he just seemed very static. He just was kind of playing like that cool guy. Have you, have you had the chance to see Lady Bird by any chance? Oh, dude, I, 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 I've seen Lady Bird, and I'm actually a fan of Timothy Chalamet. I think he is a phenomenal actor. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it. I think I think I just have to kind of wait and see. I'm not super familiar with all his work, but definitely wasn't super impressed with uh, how he was in Lady Bird. I think he played the role well. He just kind of seemed very staticky, and I think maybe that was the whole point. But, um, you know, just seeing <laughs> some of the, the screenshots for the movie and stuff, it just looks like he's just making the same face in every, <laughs> every very shot. Very good point. Very so good point. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you can't really judge a book by its cover, a.k.a. Dune, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting. I'm very excited for it. Zendaya's in it. So, I mean, other than Timothy, I mean, he's not the only actor in it, obviously. You have uh, Josh Brolin that's going to be in it. You have... Um, the guy who plays Drax, what's his name? Uh, uh, Dave Batista. Dave Batista is in there. So, and then you have uh, the guy who paid Poe Dameron, uh, Oscar, um, Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. Ooh. So, big fan of Oscar Isaac myself, and he's playing yes. um, Paul Atreides' dad. So, that's awesome. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm expecting this, like, you know, art house meets Marvel movie combination with Dune. Oh, yeah. So, I'm really pumped to go and check that out. Yeah, I I, am, I too am also excited for Dune. Now, I have not seen the original movie. I thought about actually watching it just to kind of prepare. But <laughs> when when I did see the three-hour, 10-minute mark on that, I was like, oh, my God. Dude, it is, and, it is not an easy watch. I'll say that. <laughs> it, it was made back in 84. And so I... To me, I, not that I don't like older movies. I just didn't know if it was going to be worth my time actually watching it and then trying to see where that connects to this one. There's so much time in between both of them. They're going to be night and day. Um, but like you said, I'm really excited for Dune. Denis Villeneuve, he is an... I, I like some of the movies that he's made. He's made Prisoners. He's made... Um, oh, God. I had it literally at the top of my tongue. Um, <laughs> yeah, he made Prisoners. He's made a lot of uh, serious movies, and I actually am a big fan of him. So... He has made some really good movies, and the cast that is for this movie is top-notch. Like I said, Timothy Chalamet, I like him. When he did Call Me By Your Name, I think he kind of got typecast a bit for that. And so then when he did Lady Bird and then Beautiful Boy, he kind of was doing the same thing both times. But uh, like he kind of plays that emo... Uh, <laughs> you, you worded it perfectly, dude. The Chris, He got Kristen Stewart written all over it. And I think, I think he's trying to break out of that a bit. And I hope he does because I, I can see the potential that he has because Beautiful Boy, I thought he did a, f a great job in that film. And so I I, I'm, I, I like Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya. Uh, she's great. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Oscar Isaac. I mean, shout out to my boy. He got supposedly he's Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie whenever that happens Dude, by, hell yeah. by Jordan Vote Roberts. So I hope that carries on. Um, and like I said, we got Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista, Stellan Skarsgård, Josh Brolin. We got... This is a, a hype cast. So, oh yeah, man. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of things riding on this film. Um, I think a lot of people are looking for that next Star Wars, and I think a lot of studios are banking on you know oh, Dune right now yeah. to be that. Uh, and I think Denny's got the the filmography for it. Um, some of the movies I think you were wanting to say was like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, thank you. Arrival, Sicario. So I mean, he's he's definitely very diverse. He's definitely not like a one type of film director um for sure and I, I think he's got that uh pedigree in him to be able to pull off a project like this especially after doing blade runner 2049 i think you know i think he's proven himself enough to be able to do something of this scale um and just stylistically i'm excited for it because i you know blade runner 2049 dope movie 
Um, just like the whole aesthetic of it. So I think definitely he's going to bring a lot of style and flair to just Dune in general. So for sure, for sure. And as a matter of fact, while we're on the topic of Denis Villeneuve, we're transitioning into news talk where we just kind of bring up some articles that happen in between our recordings that we just kind of want to throw up and, and, and talk about this kind of fits perfectly with everything with the movie that we're reviewing today, Shang-Chi and that's Denny Villeneuve's comments regarding Marvel movies. Now, uh, this comes by way of El Mundo. It was, it's a Spanish newspaper with the interviewer, Louis Martinez brings up Scorsese's views on Marvel movies to which the Dune director, Denny Villeneuve replies. And this is what he says, quote, perhaps the problem is that we are in front of too many Marvel movies that are nothing more than a quote, quote, cut and paste, end quote, of others. He adds, perhaps these types of movies have turned us into zombies a bit, but big and expensive movies are great value. There are many today. I don't feel capable of being pessimistic at all, end quote. Uh, okay, so, Michael, what do you got to say in regards to his statements regarding Marvel movies? And as a matter of fact, when you give your statement, I want to know your thought on this entire just this explosion of marvel movies three movies a year kind of thing going on here so yeah most definitely um so i would just kind of like to point out like you know um within american history cinema if you want to look back to like the 60s and stuff like that um westerns westerns were a huge deal back then um I think through the 40s and I started dying around the 60s and stuff like that. But there's Westerns all the time. John Wayne was like, you know, what uh, Steve, you know, Steve Rogers is now to like the Marvel Universe, right? Mm. Um, you know, it, it was a big thing. Everybody loved Westerns until they absolutely did it. Um, you know, and they were just pumping out these Westerns all the time. Um, I think Marvel movies are basically that for our generation, you know, um, the, the superhero genre. Um, it's just kind of a flavor of the the decade maybe the next you know 10 to 20 years um i definitely think it's not something that's going to have longevity in the long run i think there's going to be a cool down period where everyone's going to get pretty sick of marvel movies interesting um and that's not to say i hate marvel movies obviously we're doing a whole episode on shang chi um i think they're phenomenal i think it's just a matter of um overabundance you know what i mean it's like yeah. you have your that type of favorite food everybody likes like imagine just eating that every single day you know what i mean like i like yeah. cheesecake imagining i would i'm pretty sure i'd get sick of eating cheesecake after like three months of just eating straight cheesecake every single cool. day <laughs> um so i think movie audiences are going to get to a point with that with marvel movies the same way they did with westerns if we're going to follow trends um with that being said um I don't think that's a very fair assessment of just to point out that with Marvel movies, I do think that they follow a type of formula, but I don't think it's that drastically different than, you know, any other movie that we watch. Um, when I was in film school, one of the things they talked about is in reality, every movie that we watch is basically a remix of the same 12 stories that we've been telling since, you know, we still lived in caves and, you know, banged our chests with, and, you know, walked around with clubs yeah. <laughs> when yeah. we were cavemen, you know what I mean? So, um, to be fair, every movie is just kind of a copy and paste, um, you know, another story or one of these original stories, um, you know, the hero's journey. Um, if you want to take it that route, if you think of uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, that's a very good example. Because um, these are these are all just, you know, different archetypes that we kind of formulate within our stories. And then we just kind of, you know, put our own twist. And that's kind of where the director comes in and they take this, you know, original story and they try to twist it on its head to make it more interesting or make it seem more nuanced. Um, right. But if you take any movie, honestly, you could strip it down of its part and there's going to be a fundamental story that you've heard a thousand different times in a thousand different ways um, that you can compare and contrast it. Um, but I think, honestly, it just it's a matter of um, 
the audience, I mean, as long as there's a market for it, the studios are still going to be pumping up Marvel movies left and right. And that's, that's honestly up to us to when we decide we've had enough. I mean, for me personally, I don't mind them. I, I enjoy them a lot more than, um, say, like having a Star Wars movie every year because um, <laughs> there's a big, massive difference in quality uh, between the new Star Wars movies versus the Marvel movies. I think there are a lot more... Oh, yeah. uh, more hits than losses with the Marvel movies in contrast to the new Star Wars movies that we've gotten, you know, right. that's a, that's a whole co- different conversation at all. But I'm interested to hear your hot take, uh, Robert, um, in regards to what uh, Denny had to say. Yeah, man. So in regards to everything that he said, and this has been talked about a lot, and we know that Scorsese had something to say about it. And a <laughs> lot of, and a lot of directors like to talk about it in regards to it being a bad thing. And I, all I have to say is like, I don't think that they're, I don't think they're, their opinion is wrong. I see where they're coming from. And I, I think you can see where some of them are coming from when they have such a, a, a variety of films that they make. And they're kind of like, I just don't understand doing the same thing over and over and over again. But I, in another, in another way I look at it though, is I'm, I'm just kind of, to me, I look at it as if I just don't think you understand though. And for me personally, I think the saga that we got with Avengers all the way up to Avengers Endgame. That saga in and of itself was groundbreaking in and of itself. I don't think we've seen anything like that before. Uh, the fact that they were able to pull something off like that. It, it, you, you're seeing DC try to do it within three movies. They, they just can't, you know, because Marvel built something up over 20 something movies. And that's not some small feat. And I think that in and of itself is is exciting. What I think about this is the fact that it's almost like you got to be an employee before you can become a manager sometimes. And I think for Marvel, they got to a point where they had to just make the action superhero blockbuster movie. But I think now that they, they set themselves firm, Kevin Feige can do whatever he wants. Now. I think they're at a place where they can start doing things a bit more artistic. We're going to, and to me, we're going to see that a little bit with Shang-Chi. I'm extremely, extremely, extremely excited for the Eternals because right off the bat, you take away the intro of that Marvel logo, it doesn't look like a Marvel movie. A Chloe Zhao is bringing this entire new way of like of, uh, her cinematography and her outlook for that film in and of itself is completely different than anything I've seen on Marvel so far. I'm not saying for films. I'm just saying in regards to a Marvel film. So I think we're going to see them diversify from here on out. And I hope they continue doing that and be more creative because they've already had their foot in the ground. My one thing about this is the fact that, and the one thing that's going to hurt them, I think, and will make this uh, excitement for Marvel movies come to an end even quicker is the Disney plus TV shows. I think now that we're getting so much Marvel content that is within the same universe so much, dude. Like we got three movies a year and we got four shows a year and they all are combined together in some sort of way. That's oversaturation to an extent that I'm not quite sure will last too much in that regard. W- would you agree with that? Or what, what, what do you think about that? That kind of makes, yeah, I agree. Um, that does def- definitely make me nervous because I think that was the issue I know they're completely different genres, but like I think that was the issue with Star Wars. I think there was an oversaturation mm. of just Star Wars, like you know, movies and all that stuff right off the bat. And um, I, I, in contrast to the Marvel movies, I don't think there was as clear cut of a plan with the Star Wars movies. Just you know, for no. example, like the sequels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things I always talk about is just the fact that originally the original plan was three different directors doing 
three different of the sequel movies, and I thought that yeah. was kind of ridiculous because oh yeah, it, it's not it's not the same way you know you would do like a Marvel movie where like okay this director gets a superhero they make a movie about this you know and then somehow it gets intertwined with the overall you know overarching story the same with uh, the Infinity Wars and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think Star Wars uh, lends itself well to stuff you know to that kind of. Um, idea of having these different directors kind of take different control i think it's a one you should have one director throughout the whole project For sure. um, and, I, and i think they just didn't plan that well at all um so i am i am a bit skeptical of seeing how they can pull it off um with all these all these products that they're pulling out but like i said as long as people keep coming to watch them i think they're going to keep pumping them out so it'll be interesting to watch I also kind of wanted to say something a little controversial and just get your opinion on it. Go for uh, it, dude. Let me hear it. Do you believe that, you know, Scorsese is a little bit of a hypocrite himself? Uh, not not dissing the man. Martin Scorsese, great director, phenomenal writer. But I, I think he's a little hypocritical because if you look at his filmography, you know, how many... <laughs> ga- movies? Exactly. How many, <laughs> how many gangster <laughs> movies did he pump out, you know? Um, yeah. I actually watched quite a few a couple of months ago. I watched... Uh, Casino. I watched the other one with Ray Liotta. Which one is that one? Um, oh, uh, I literally just watched that a couple months ago as well. Yeah, God, dude. I, you know, I'm usually not this bad with names. But I think it's just because we're recording. And it's just putting all this pressure on me to like remember everything from my mind. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, good Goodfellas. Yeah, Goodfellas. Um, so to me, it's like I think his movies are pretty. You know, copy and paste. Like you got very similar characters. I think you have like movies like The Wolf of Wall Street. I think, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character reminds me a lot of Ray Liotta's character from Goodfellas. Mm. I think there's a lot of similar, you know, aspects of it. Um, So, I mean, I think he's a phenomenal, you know, director. I think he knows his stuff, but I think it's kind of hypocritical for him to, you know, poop on Marvel movies when, you know, gangster movies were a big thing in the 70s and 80s. Everybody loved those, you know, up until like the 90s when they started dying out. You know, so they also went... The way of the western as well i don't i don't think we see a lot of gangster movies like we did you know back in the day so i think that's just an interesting point i just wanted to make out um because in a, in a way you know he is a little bit more you know kind of towards those uh gangster films he kind of you know leans towards those a lot yeah um but yeah that was my two cents on scorsese i just wanted to throw that in there as soon as we started talking about him but uh yeah super excited to see the eternals uh I honestly don't know absolutely anything about the Eternals, but I agree with what you said. <laughs> um, if you took the Marvel logo off the beginning, um, it just really doesn't give you the same vibe that it's like, um, it's going to be like a superhero movie, or at least in the traditional sense, like your right. Captain America or Iron Man or Guardians of the Galaxy. It kind of just reminds me more of like maybe something more like Chronicle. Mm, uh, good point, think, good point. I think it's a little drastically different. I think it's a little more closer to home then chronicle uh in terms of being more of a marvel movie but just stylistically and kind of story-wise it seems like it's going to be drastically different than anything we've you know come to see from marvel at this point and i agree what you were you saying you kind of have to have those foundations get people familiar with the characters and the universe before you start getting all weird whereas i feel like you know kind of going back to the the original hulk movie by uh what was his name ang lee that came back when it was oh, like, yeah, yeah. Too, with eric banna that movie is super underrated it's very artistic and a lot of people hate that movie because of it. You know what I mean? It was it was too it was too weird. It was too out there. It was too artsy fartsy at the time. You know, did you like I, it or no? Honestly, when I was a kid, I actually digged it. I think it was a good balance of like being so artsy fartsy, but it had like a lot of action. Like you got the Hulk literally just grabbing a tank and just like tossing it across the desert. Like, like <laughs> what more do you want as like an eight year old kid? You know, watching that movie. So For real. I, I thought that was dope, but a lot of people didn't like it. So I think. 
Marvel understands that they kind of have to build the foundations, get everybody comfortable, be familiar exactly what you were saying before they start getting real weird. Because you just got to get everybody on the boat first before you start going down the river and, you know, taking in all these weird turns and spins, you know. So for I think sure. they're right on the money for doing that. I think that's a great idea. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they're finally taking risks. So that's really cool to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're transitioning into the actual topic of the show. As y'all know, you clicked on the podcast. You know what we're talking about. I said it from the beginning of the show. We're talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Getting right into it, guys. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The credits are directed by Destin Daniel Critton. He's known for Short Term 12, The Glass Castle, and recently Just Mercy, right before uh, Shang-Chi. And then it's written by Dave Callahan, known for the writing the screenplays for The Expendables, Wonder Woman 1984, and Mortal Kombat 2021, written by Dan, uh, Destin Daniel Critton as well, and Andrew Lanman, Lanham, who is known for The Shack, The Ga Glass Castle, and Just Mercy. So there is a connection between Andrew Lanham and Destin Daniel Critton for sure. I have a question for you, though, Michael, right before we continue into the actors. I noticed on IMDb for Dave Callahan. There was moments where it, it credited him for writing the screenplay and writing the story. And I, I know he, he wrote the story for the Godzilla movie back in 2014. Do you, what's the difference between the two? So I'm, I'm going to talk out of my butt here a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely familiar with that. Um, to my understanding, what the difference between like a screenplay and the story is like you can have the concept uh, for the movie, right? You have like the story and you can have it like written up in like a Word document or something like that. Kind of like the beats of what everything's going to go. I kind of have the foundations for it. Uh, but the actual screenplay would be different. So it'd be like the actual developed script that they're using to base the movie off. Um, so basically they adapt the story in whatever format that it, it's in and basically turn it into a screenplay. So someone might just come up with the concept or the idea for a film, but the actual execution of writing the screenplay is going to be different, if that makes sense. Um, so you're going to have your screenwriter and then you can have like, you know, most of the time you're going to have the person who creates the story also be the screenwriter, but sometimes it can be different. Like someone can have the concept and then someone can be like, okay, well, this is what we can do to adapt this into a screenplay. This is what's going to make sense in the cinematic language uh, of the screen and kind of translate that for the viewer or the director. So that way they can apply that to the actual film. So interesting. Yeah. So that's generally what you're looking at to the best of my knowledge. Um, I could be wrong if someone wants to, you know, just completely roast me in the comments and say I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> from when I was in film school, I think that was the main difference in regards to that. Because um, like even things like uh, Sherlock Holmes, like someone, um, you could say the story is ran by whatever his name, something Doyle. Um, and then, you know, whoever writes the screenplay adapted that from the story of Sherlock Holmes into the actual screenplay. So that's the Interesting. source material. I wonder in regards to like Dave Callahan's situation, I wonder if it's like um, he was approached to write the screenplay. He kind of wrote the rough draft and then he got taken off of it and someone finished it, but was based off of his story. So he still got credited for it. Oh, that happens all the time. That happens. Okay. <laughs> that That's happens probably... all the time. Usually the universe, it usually boils down to the studio. Um, they might like bits and pieces. Like, Oh, I like the story. I just might not like the way this guy's, portraying it in the screenplay so they might get someone else that they want or the studio might push for another screenwriter that they think might do a better job and basically just you know still give them the credit for the story but then have someone do the actual execution of writing the screenplay based on whatever that is um it, it's usually how it goes it's usually some sort of studio interference it might be the director who rather would have someone else write the screenplay um or sometimes maybe the guy who wrote the story doesn't feel comfortable writing the screenplay but most of the time i would say it's studio interference they usually want someone 
uh, that they can kind of vouch for, jump in and kind of like be like, hey, can you kind of like clean this up for us, kind of make it like, you know, a million dollar movie? And they're like, sure thing. Yeah, so that's yeah. usually how that that works out most of the time. Interesting, interesting. Going on to continuing with the actors, we got Simo Liu playing Shang-Chi slash Sean. We got Aquafina uh, playing <laughs> as Katie. As a matter of fact, I've never I've never seen Simo Liu. This is the first time I've ever seen him do anything. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you exactly how I felt about it yet until we get to the review portion of it. Uh, Aquafina, uh, I I love Aquafina. I think she one of my favorite movies of all time. Weirdly, I don't know why I like this movie a lot, but The Farewell. I don't know why I love that movie so much, but there's, I have the constant urge to just have that movie play in the background because I thought it was a really, really good movie. And she plays an extremely serious role in that. And so I, I loved her in that movie. And the rest of these actors, I, I'm not familiar with. Tony Zhuo Wai Lung as Wen Wu. We got Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery, which we know his character from back in Iron Man 3. We've got Mengir Zhang as Zhai Ling. And then we got Fala Shen as Lee and Michelle Yeoh as Ying Nan. Um, all right. We're going to get right into some review portion, guys. Now, do, do not click away yet if you haven't watched the movie. We're going into some <laughs> non-spoilery territory, okay? So we're going to give you our thoughts of our mo- the movie without spoiling anything yet. So we're going to get right into it. Now, I'll start this one off. My feeling and my emotions for Shang-Chi is... I really enjoyed this movie. I liked it a lot. I think Simu Liu's portrayal as Shang-Chi right off the bat is likable. He did a great job. I don't think he I don't think he missed the beat uh, in 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 his performance at all. Uh and I think with him playing alongside Aquafina, I will say that Aquafina was given some probably poor lines here or there. I'm not going to say it was her performance. Maybe she was directed or given lines that were just kind of weird at times. But other than that, their <laughs> dynamic together was really good. The action in this movie is, is awesome, dude. I, I, I love hand-to-hand combat kind of action that goes on in movies. I'm a big fan of The Raid. I'm a fan of the Bourne series. So anything with like punching and and you know getting up with into each other's faces, I love that. Uh, and just throughout the film, I, I enjoyed the film as, as, as a whole. And I think we have a, a, an enemy, a, an antagonist that is very understanding in regards to where he's coming from. And I, I, I knew where he was coming from every single moment. And I don't think he was being rash. I don't think there was moments where it was like, ah, you're kind of, that's kind of weird, dude. I don't know why you're doing that. Like it kind of made sense to me. Um, and then lastly, in regards to, uh, the film, I just got to say with it being Marvel as a whole, I'm really excited to see where they take Shang-Chi and everyone else that came out of this film to the future. So that's, that's what I got to say about my spoiler free review. Uh, Michael, <laughs> what do you got to say? Yeah, most definitely. Um, as terms of a, a Marvel movie, I think this is very, um, different. I, def- I definitely think there was a lot more story, a lot more heart with, uh, Shang-Chi, um, definitely like the Sean character and his dynamic with Katie. I thought there was, <laughs> I think they very did a very good job of contrasting each other, but they also played well off each other. Um, oh yeah. I, I actually thought Katie had a lot of good one-liners. Um, without going <laughs> too much into the you know spoiler aspect of it, I think just some of the things that she says are, are pretty hilarious, especially uh, without again going into the details of what the one part where she starts uh, randomly singing. Um, that that <laughs> yeah. caught me. That caught me off guard. I definitely laughed. I love it. Uh, laughed a lot. Um, 
Definitely what I really liked, though, I think this is one of the first real Marvel movies where I kind of felt bad for the bad guy. Um, I think throughout mm. the movie, they do a really good job of kind of developing his character and throughout just empathizing him with him more and more rather than just being this, you know, just generic bad guy. Um, yeah. Which you do see, unfortunately, a lot of like in, in Marvel movies where it's just like you have these characters are bad for the sake of being bad. I did not get that right. vibe from, uh, you know, Shu Wen, uh, Wen Wu. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do a terrible job of pronouncing these names. Um, so the, the dad character, um, I thought he was very dynamic. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I think overall the movie kind of kept true to its roots. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh, a lot of Asian movies that I've seen. Uh, reminded me a lot of like Old Boy. Um, just in terms of like the pacing and just the storytelling aspect of it, there was you know a lot of flashbacks, a lot of a lot of things to kind of developing these characters further and further. So I, I always felt like you know you were constantly on on your toes, just kind of getting these new little tidbits of these characters and kind of formulating your opinions. And it, it was just very uh, fluid. You're kind of constantly kind of wondering how you feel completely about these characters. Even Sean's character at some points, without going yeah. into the spoilers, I mean, you learn a lot about a lot about him where you're like, oh, oh man. Um, yeah, I think yeah. he definitely doesn't fit, you know, the criteria of just being this, you know, all American superhero, which is great. I think that they, they didn't go for that. I think they wanted to do something completely original. And I think they, they really succeeded and then trying to achieve that with this movie. Um, just a lot of the cinematography was just beautiful. I thought the effects were awesome. Um, again, the fighting choreography, I could, you said it, couldn't say it better yourself. Um, I thought it was really great. Um. One of the things I liked is they just played a lot of homage to a lot of different movies. Um, oh, I'll talk for about, sure. I'll definitely talk about that more in the, the spoiler aspect of it. Uh, but definitely, I just love the the contrast to how we see a lot of fighting movies in American movies where, you know, they cut in between punches and stuff like that. So it's, you know, several cuts back, back, back real quick. Um, like you would watch like in a Rush Hour movie or... Um, any any action movie like the Fast and Furious movies, I think they they yeah. stood true more to like you know, like classic kung fu movies from like the seventies where all the action was very fluid, all one shot as much as possible. Oh um, yeah, and I thought that was very cool and added a lot more weight to a lot of the the action that was going on. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, well, without further ado, let's get right into spoiler territory. Now, starting off from the, I want to start from the top. The one thing that I enjoyed about this, Michael, was the fact that the movie starts, and I didn't time it. I, I didn't. I didn't have a timer with me to, to check this out. <laughs> you didn't but, have a stopwatch on you. No, no, not in the movie theater. I wasn't gonna whip <laughs> my phone out either and, and check it. But I love the fact that the movie's like first ten minutes are, is not spoken in English, dude. For a movie that is big blockbuster he trying to hit that america like america you know like trying it's a marvel movie you want you want it to be as accessible as possible to your viewers and they just go full on just no english a lot of subtitle and i loved it dude it, it made me feel like i was actually engrossed in that world yeah most definitely like you said uh you know, they came in with this with big balls. I'll say that um, <laughs> because I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, a lot of American movies don't do very well in China, like at all. Um, a lot of the things that are nuanced to us don't really translate that well to a Chinese audience or an Asian yeah. audience in general. Um, so I think it, it was very ballsy of them to start the movie, you know, the first 10 minutes of the film, not being in English. I think something that's really prominent with like American audiences is that we don't like to read and we don't like things not in English. Um, 
because I think in general, we're just really lazy when it comes to like watching movies. I think we just want everything kind of force fed. And I think that has to do with a lot of how the movie industry is right now. Um, a lot of things, everything's kind of spoon fed to us. So again, it was very ballsy of them to kind of just start off the movie, you know, being completely in Chinese, but I respect it. I, I actually like that a lot. I agree with you. I does. I think it does a job of establishing its identity as being this move, uh, being this character, uh, set in this universe. Um, and it pays homage to, you know, the character origins, you know, which is, this is a Chinese character. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it's very, I kept things very authentic and it kind of set the, kind of set the theme or kind of like the, you know, the way the tone is going to be for the rest of the movie. So I thought that was really cool as well. Yeah, totally. And looking into, looking into this and I kind of want, I actually was trying to see how well it did in China, but this was, this was back in, this was September 17th, not like a couple days ago. Uh, the New York times posted, it's still not in China. And I think there's a problem oh, going on between, <laughs> I mean, we all know about them CCPs, you know what I'm saying? Like right, they got, right. they got their own thing going on over there, which is surprising. Cause I honestly, I think Marvel in their mind was like, we we're keeping China in mind. Like they can literally, a lot of movies. I mean, we've seen the awkward John Cena clip with him, uh, apologizing. So that way the fast and the Furious shows up in China. Like the, a lot of people make movies for China because it's such a huge audience. It's kind of weird that it's not in China. On the 17th, I don't know about the 22nd, which is the day that we're recording this. So if anyone right. has any updates on that, let us know in the comments. But I do agree with you on everything in regards to uh, the movie being so Chinese-focused and oriented. It, it just It's awesome, dude. I loved it. I loved it. And we, we get the – there's a lot of exposition in the film. You said that in your non-spoiler area. There's a lot of exposition in the movie. Uh, I don't I – I personally didn't feel like there was too much – I think it was just, I think it was, you can tell that they, they needed to try to tell this story, but within a certain amount of time and they had to fit it as well as they could. I, I did put on my notes. I think the movie's pacing was great from beginning to end. I think somewhere within the three quarter mark when they're in Talo, there's a weird lull that happens there for me personally that I was like, yeah, it's getting a little slow right here. But then it picks right back up whenever the father gets there, and then it, it's action time, baby. We're in there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, most definitely. Um, in general, like, yeah, if you're gonna have exposition in a movie, you know, I think it's best if you're just gonna just, you know, kind of establish this world, just get it right off the bat. Um, again, going back to Star Wars, I mean, they literally have like a whole title sequence where they're just reading off like what the universe is gonna be like. <laughs> um, and you know that that's not uncommon for a lot of movies. I think it's great when you just get it knocked out right off the bat, especially like a movie that's so. I don't want to say complex. I don't think it was too anything there in there was too crazy, but definitely there was a lot of world building that needed to be created, especially with the dad character, um, oh, yeah. kind of explaining you know where he comes from, how the whole concept of the rings and stuff like that. So, I think. Uh, the best part is uh, uh, when they did have exposition scenes, they kept everything going. Uh, but I'm thinking about the scene where uh, they're kind of putting the the jewels on the the dragon statue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a great way of like delivering um, exposition and kind of explaining what uh, what's going on and what they need to do, without just having the characters just stand around statically and just talk to each other. They had made it very exactly. visually interesting, kept that action going. Um, in regards to that lull, 
I think so. Um, definitely kind of slowed down a little bit. I think it was kind of like, you know, the, the calm before the storm, though. I think they were trying to build up that anticipation that, mm. you know, the dad was going to be coming. So they're trying to, like, you know, get everybody kind of ready for that big um, outcome. And, I, of course, I think in, in reality, what we're trying to see is just kind of that character development. Um, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so I, I do remember that um, Aquafina's character, Katie, um, she, they were kind of uh, showing her how to like throw the arrows and stuff like that. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was very cool because the subtext of that was kind of like you know her whole um, Wizard of Oz moment, I guess you could say, is just kind of being more like you know, in contrast to the beginning of the movie, she's talking about like not really having an idea what she's doing, kind of just floating around, and the right, guy kind of purpose. makes right. And I think one of the characters is kind of like uh, if you if you aim for nothing, you uh, hit nothing. I thought that was exactly. a really cool line, and I think they demonstrated that character development. Uh, towards the end of the movie really well because it kind of made her have more confidence in herself and kind of had a more strong idea of who she was as a person. So I think even that with uh, Shang-Chi's character when he's uh, fighting the ant, uh, you know, he's got a lot of this pent-up rage and stuff until he, like, learns to kind of fight more like his mom more fluidly and kind of let go of that rage. Um, I think that was a great way of demonstrating, you know, letting go of your past. I think that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about the cinematic language is that you can show these, you know, beautiful character development moments and in different ways like through fighting scenes or like throwing an arrow or whatever but people still grasp that subtext underneath what's actually going on and i think this movie did a really great job at doing that oh absolutely and and, and going into combat like like you said that that scene where uh sean is is going up against his his aunt and, and it's not in a confrontational way it's kind of like they're in a training yeah, aspect like sparring but, Exactly. Sparring, perfectly said. What I loved is that even from the beginning of the film, at the intro, when we're introduced to Wen Wu and he meets the mother and they have that fight. And I love they automatically show the contrast between the two of them. The father is just full force, closed hand, wants to get the job done. But the mother is so graceful and she redirects the energy. You know, it's almost like a a keto in a way where uh, you... You don't really fight the person. You use the person's energy against them to, and then they they hurt themselves in that way. And so I love the fact that they made that clear that there was a big difference between the two of them. And it's been that thing where Sean's only been taught the force. Like, and when I see the force, I don't mean Star Wars, right. but force in regards to like like you, you beat somebody up to get what you want. You know, like you you gotta you gotta use force to to, to show your power. And for the mother, it was all about being peaceful and redirecting that, 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 that energy in a different way. And, and I loved it. And, and then this entire movie, I feel like the whole thing is about is, is, is purpose is written all throughout it, you know? And you said it perfectly in regards to, um, with them, with the exposition, there is a, it's a lot of showing, not just a bunch of telling as well. And, and in that moment with the dragon and the jewels, like, I love it. Like he could have literally, they could have been back in his, in his library and he could have just said all that, but they showed you. And that's what, that's when he got some good budget to show you what's going on. Like that's great <laughs> stuff, man. It was good all throughout. Yeah, and, uh, and I think in regards to the choreography, I want to go on a bit more on that. Dude, the fighting, the fighting is so good. And the first bit of fighting that we get is on the bus. And oh yeah. Without a doubt. Dude, it, that that right there, I, I I remember telling Vanessa after we watched, I was like, man, I was getting a lot of Jackie Chan vibes. Like it, he was using he was using everything around him as he was fighting, you know, and and going in between uh, these rods and 
uh, flipping from outside and hanging from the bus and blah, blah, blah. And it was so, so well. And I think the only, the only person that I didn't like in regards to any of these fighting scenes was Razor Fist. I, he I seemed, had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. He, he kind of felt like he was somebody's friend that they're like, Hey man, you can, you can play this character. Like I just, I didn't feel for him, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, he's kind of like your generic henchman. He's just kind of ticking a box almost. I mean, there wasn't really a really whole lot of character development. There wasn't anything. He was very two-dimensional, I felt, in the movie. But I think that's fine, just given that he that wasn't the – there wasn't a big purpose for him. And he didn't play a big role in the in the movie other than just, you know, getting the MacGuffin, which was the, the, the jewel around uh, Sean's neck, you know, for the, for the statue, right? So he was just kind of like a box to take. He was just kind of one of those henchmen. So, I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not too concerned with his character. I think it was interesting that he had like a, <laughs> like a lightsaber, like blade thing coming out of his hand. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> kind of a silly name. Kind of reminds me of a, what's it, what's a, the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie? The guy's name's Taserface or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. Like, I thought it was like a really dumb name, Razorfist. I was like, that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Uh, like we're trying to really truly hard to be a bad guy i wonder if that that plays into something from the the comic book still i could see that being um the case um, it most definitely does um oh, that's that's interesting uh but in, in contrast i mean i think the funny scenes were really really well done um just again like talk about the bus scene again um just like you said, like, you know, Jackie Chan or even Bruce Lee, like just using those uh, the environment against like, your enemies and stuff. I think at one point he was using his jacket, and I'm pretty sure I've seen Jackie Chan do that in his movies, and I'm pretty sure he got that from Bruce Lee. He's done that a couple times in his movies. So yeah. his movie in general does do a great job of just playing homage to those, you know, kung fu movies from like the 70s. But in actuality, just like, you know, Chinese cinema, whenever they do have those fighting scenes, it's, it's very fluid. It's very well choreographed. And they again like very distinct to the you know personality of these um, Chinese Asian movies um, is that they don't cut away from the action. I can't stress that yeah. enough. It, it just feels like that the punches just feel harder. They feel have more weight, more dynamic. Um, I think that's fantastic when movies do that. That they're not afraid to just you know have this whole choreographed fight scene. I think there's one part um, we're doing. They're doing a wide shot in the tunnel with the the bus, and they're shooting from one side angle of the bus. Um, and it reminded me very reminiscently of Old Boy. Uh, I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch Old Boy, uh, Robert, but um, I'm not. It's it's really good. Um, definitely after the podcast, check that scene out. But there's like a scene in Old Boy where the protagonist is like fighting all these uh, characters in a hallway, and he's just going to town, very similar to how Sean is. He's just running his way through this bus and just knocking heads left and right. Same thing. That's what happened to Old Boy. Very reminiscent of that. So I, I love that. There's probably a lot more uh, different references in the movie, but I definitely was watching that. And I picked that up immediately, and I was like, "That's awesome that they're playing uh, homage to Old Boy." Great, you know, movie. If you guys haven't seen that, definitely check it out. Great twist. Uh, but yeah, choreography was on point. I definitely think the fighting was awesome. It was really cool to see them just kind of show off the, their their martial arts prowess throughout the movie. Oh, for sure. And I think there's a moment in the movie. I think halfway through when everyone uh, meets back up with Wen Wu and he's kind of telling the exposition to clear up everything that happened in Iron Man 3, trying to be like, there was this guy that uh, uh, tried to be like me and, and try to use the 10 rings and made the name, the Mandarin named after a chicken meal. And it was great. <laughs> it was great exposition, but it was all in regards to Ben Kingsley's character that he played in Iron Man 3. And what's awesome about that is we get his character in this movie, I think I, I think it was kind of rumored a bit 
Uh, well, it was I heard I saw rumors that he was going to be in this movie. So when I when I saw that, I was like, how is he going to fit in this? But it worked so well. Uh, his character, uh, what what is the character's called? Trevor Slattery. Slattery. He. Yeah. I wrote down he was he was the Korg of this movie. Korg was to Thor Ragnarok what Ben Kingsley is to Shang Chi. And all I have to say is, if if anyone out there who doesn't hasn't seen Thor Ragnarok. Korg, which is being played by uh, Taika Waititi, is just this, like, if that's a new buddy character that has this different level of funny to it, that I love that character. I just don't want it to be overused so much because, and I'm not saying they are, this is the second time I feel like we're seeing that, but I loved his character in this movie, dude. He brought so much light, like, he, he brought levity to a lot of the scenes that, like, was much so needed, but I loved his character. He fit in so well. And Ben Kingsley did a great job being a funny guy in this. Yeah, most definitely. I think something that's really cool about this movie is like traditionally like movies from like the 70s, 80s, even before that, um, just, you know, kind of talking about movies from back in the day. Um, a lot of times you had, you know, these very, you know, cookie cutter protagonists. You had like, you know, this, you know, white Caucasian male protagonist, you know, and it's like, you know, mostly a white cast. And then, you know, usually you had your, your funny character be like some racial minority. You know what I mean? And that's always how it plays off. So they always like, you know, kind of capitalize something racially there, you know, which probably wouldn't fly now in 2021. But I think that's cool because they kind of did it uh, backwards this time where you had an all Asian cast and then you had the one white guy in the movie be Ben Kingsley. And he was kind of like the, kind of like the court jester of the uh, of the group you know what i mean he was kind yeah, of the entertaining yeah. one i thought that was great i thought that was a really good uh funny moment because it just kind of played the, that stereotype over in its head and i think it just shows how progressive this movie's trying to be um but i thought his character was funny i thought he, <laughs> he definitely added a lot of levity like you said i think one of my favorite parts was um what was that the little creature with no faces his name was morris right yeah 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 morris yeah i, I love their whole dynamic i thought it was really cute i thought it was very funny um i think one of the parts where he's like pretending to be dead i was like oh shit like they killed him off or whatever but then it turns out he's just <laughs> pretending to be dead i thought that was yeah. hilarious I, I remember like laughing <laughs> in the theater when that happened um so yeah I, I thought ben kingsley did an awesome job um i definitely think it was his character was definitely really interesting but i agree um it's not something i want to see him like in every sort of movie like i don't want to see ben kingsley just you know be shoehorned <laughs> into like the eternals or something like that i'm like what yeah. the hell is he doing here yeah um, but i think in the context of the movie i think it worked well um i, I could imagine this being like a one-off kind of deal maybe they'll bring him in like as like an easter egg maybe in, in future movies but i i sincerely doubt he'd be like a recurring character Totally, totally, and I I, I want to kind of, the, in regards to the movie, and we when when everything leads up to the final fight, and we're in Talo, and uh, Shang Chi and uh, Zhai Ling are with practically their mother their mother's side of the family, like their her people, defending Talo from Wen Wu, their father. There's a moment in this movie, dude, and and you see a little bit in the trailers, like the fight between Shang Chi and Wen Wu, but you don't they don't give up ain't a lot from this last quarter of the movie. And I love the fact that they didn't because when I, when I was watching this movie for the first time, because I went, I went and saw it again yesterday. So wow. I was fresh. When I saw this movie for the first time, I legit turned to Vanessa with my mouth wide open because I honestly felt in my heart. I was like, this is the closest we can ever get to 
so much money being thrown at what could possibly be like a Dragon Ball Z movie. Like this is the 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 CGI fighting at the end. And I knew I was I know I was just praising about the choreography about the hand to hand combat. Loved it. But when we got to the end and we got uh, Shang Chi's in the water and he gets. Uh, you know, the, he he sees the dragon. He comes out on the top of the dragon, and he's fighting Wen Wu with the rings, and the rings are just literally rotating around his body, almost as if like you can replace the rotating rings with like yellow, uh, an aura yellow, a yellow aura. And he's like, he's super saiyan at that moment, dude. Like it was so hype, and the fight scenes with him utilizing that power, and the very end, and I I, I had to see it again. I really wanted to see the movie again for this main scene. When he's falling from the sky and that big beast that's that's taking all the souls from the people. Right. Uh, when he's on in the water being pushed down by the dragon's ability by using water fighting against it. And Shang like throws the rings into its mouth and it's in his belly. And we can see the rings glowing from within its belly. And Sean is literally falling from the sky, performing the like the choreography that his mother has been doing and has been teaching him as he was a kid and he's falling down doing the choreography. I was like, bro, this is the most anime moment ever. And I am, <laughs> I am here for it, dude. I, I, I popped off for that moment because it was, it was so well done. And it's, I loved seeing that in, in a blockbuster Hollywood movie by Marvel. I, I didn't think we would ever see something like that. And I loved it. I, I loved every second of that. Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, like there was a lot of good effects in this movie. I definitely liked a lot of the symbolism and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just that that scene where he just kind of fully embraces that, you know, fighting style that his mom had, you know, where he's kind of working all fluidly and he's just kind of warming his way down to the stomach and just kind of blows that guy up. I thought that was, you know, incredible. Um, just, I don't know, in my opinion, it's just really incredible, like the symbolism with the character of... Um, the monster thing was just like sucking up the souls kind of reminds me of uh, kind of letting go of the past because they're talking about um, it's something about this movie a lot of thematic something they keep talking about thematically is just the the whole past aspect of it the dad kind of trying to let go of his past this monster from the past and I think even Sean himself as a protagonist he's trying to let go of his past and I think when he finally embraces his past and accepts it you know, he kind of lets it go and it kind of formulates into like this symbolic moment where he kind of blows up this beast from his, this, this past, you know, it's kind of acceptance of his future. I don't know if that's how he had it in your interpretation of the movie, but I think it was very symbolic because it kind of like, even the way the creature operated, he was like sucking up these souls. It was kind of sucking the life out of these characters. Definitely. You know? definitely. So it kind of plays, plays into that. Um, so definitely, I definitely liked the fighting scenes a lot. I think the effects were on point. Definitely very uh, anime, like you said. It definitely reminds me because I'm pretty sure in Dragon Ball Z, there's, you know, like the what is it, Goku? He's like riding dragons and stuff like that throughout the the show. Oh yeah, and stuff like yeah. That. <laughs> so I definitely see. It. I mean, maybe they put homage to that. Maybe the, the director's a big Dragon Ball Z character, but maybe um, it'll be the the fuel that they need to kind of you know get some attention growing for another dragon ball c movie that doesn't you know suck. oh dude for sure <laughs> oh oh yeah i know dragon ball evolution don't even don't even Ooh. get me started on that Ooh. dude and that and that's the thing is i, I there was e even katie at the very end of the movie says he did like a kamehameha like it, like they, they're they're fully aware they know what they did they know what they're doing and i loved and i i, I want to know what you thought that when they get into tallow these creatures that they're they're looking at I thought it was awesome, dude. 
Like we got we got a creature that looks straight up like Nine Tails the Pokemon. We got uh, <laughs> that that dragon horse thing that was looking at uh, Trevor. That was a funny moment. And I think the coolest one was those lions. Like you know when you go. Oh yeah. And, this is a little this is a little racist, but you know when you go into a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> they have those lion things on the side. Right. It was the statues. Yeah, the statues. Thank you. It was practically that thing come to life, but in a way that I was like, wow. When when you see just the statue in and of itself, it's kind of like, oh, okay. But to see it moving and interacting, I was like, dude, these things are dope, man. They looked really, really cool. Yeah, I don't think anything racist about that at all. I think that's very true. I think, I mean, honestly, I don't know enough about Chinese mythology. They're going to give my two cents if this was something like the, the director decided to come up with or if they're drawing from like Chinese mythology or something like that, where they had right, like, right, you know, right, these, right. these are like, you know, concepts like dragons and stuff like that. Um, so that I thought it was really cool. I definitely really liked the lions myself. I thought that's a really uh, standout creature. I mean, like something like Morris, like I really want to know if that's something that, you know, the director <laughs> came up with or is that something that, you know, is woven into like Chinese mythology or yeah, yeah. that's something original from like the comics and stuff like that. I thought that was very interesting um as well and i think it's just a really added element i mean throughout the whole movie uh symbolically i think there's just contrast um and i I don't know i I don't know if the director was trying to pick up on this theme but i I think there was like this industrial versus nature kind of concept that they were kind of going through because a lot of like how you see um like a lot at the beginning of the movie it's usually like cities and stuff like that even when he goes meets his sister he sees very industrial like uh china you know what i mean and then the contrast oh, yeah. you have like the the mystical realm um what was the name of it again talo talo um because i think there's a lot of symbolism there um even with the fighting styles um you know how we kind of talked about where the the mom and the sister are like more fluid in their in their movements and stuff like that it reminds me of uh taoism a lot i don't know how familiar you are with that uh no, no, Eastern philosophy, but a lot of the big things they talk about is just being fluid, just being very fluid, one with nature. Um, mm. you're, you're going with the river in contrast to going against it. Um, and I thought that was a very good uh, visual representation of that ideology just within the characters of the movie and just their fighting styles. Um, I'm not sure what the dad's character would be or like even shot at the beginnings of the movie's uh, kind of ideology they're kind of trying to portray. Um, but I thought that was very cool because it kind of gave it like a little bit of more of a philosophical take on it as well. And just terms of like the way they were fighting and then the contrast, you know, have the peaceful Taolo versus, you know, the industrial. Um, I don't remember the name of the, the city the sister's in. What is it? Malco or something like Ooh, that? Oh, yeah. I, I honestly, now I'm thinking about it. I do not remember what it was. It was somewhere. In, <laughs> it was somewhere in China, though. That's for sure. Well, that's that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, they do that stuff on purpose because, uh, I mean, even all those scenes were at night. It was very industrial. It was rainy. It was kind of gloomy. And in contrast to Talo, Talo was mostly before the big fight. It was sunny, peaceful, you know, it was yeah. tranquil, yeah. very nature-esque. So I think there was definitely a lot of, you know, themes that the, the director was trying to, you know, maybe bring up with throughout the movie. So it would be interesting. I don't know if he's done any interviews in regards to that, but I thought that was definitely very, very interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. And that, the last thing I'd like to say in regards to the characters in the, in the main story is I love the fact that Sean and Katie, like they, there's a nod at the, at, the, at the dinner table at the very beginning where the, the grandma, uh, Katie's grandma is like, tells Sean, like, why, why are you going to marry her? And he's like, no, 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 we're just <laughs> friends. And I just love the fact that their relationship is not this dumb force romantic relationship, dude. I, I love that. And they they do have moments where 
uh, when when uh, they're in Talo and and Sean's telling her about uh, his past, and she rests her head on his shoulder, and you can tell they had this connection. There's a, there's something there between them two, but I just love the fact that they didn't have to go and do a whole kissing scene. They didn't have to go and just beat you over the head. Like obviously, in that moment, there's something so much more important going on that. I love that they had that ability to hold back. You know, did you, would you agree? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think as audience members, we're very cognizant of like, you know, what feels genuine or what feels forced in a movie. And like if characters actually have good chemistry and I think Sean and Katie, you know, legitimately had good chemistry throughout the movie. I thought that their dynamic was very believable. Um, yeah. and it just kind of reminded me of like, <laughs> like myself and my girlfriend right now. I think it was very much that same dynamic um, before we got together. It was just kind of like, we were just really, you know, good friends, but we were like playful and stuff like that. We kind of joked around with each other and it kind of made me yeah. very reminiscent, which yeah. is funny because we were, we watched it together. Um, <laughs> funny enough, she was not for watching this movie at all. I was on a similar <laughs> boat. We both didn't really have high expectations on the trailer. And honestly, just kind of as a side note, I think a lot of it had to do with the marketing for this movie. Um, oh, not okay. necessarily the trailer itself, but just I feel like they had the Snake Eyes uh, movie trailer play either before or after oh, Shang, Shang-Chi a million times. And there was a time, we, and I we went to the movies quite a bit. That's the funny thing is um, I think there was one time we went to the movies three times in one week. And it was, it. it was yeah, it was a great time, but I think it was before Shang-Chi came out. So they're still throwing the trailers out and stuff like that. And it was just funny because we were just so annoyed because we'd see the same six trailers and it was always Snake Eyes and then Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi and then Snake Eyes. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it's like they're very similar movies. And I I mean, I haven't seen Snake Eyes. Maybe it's the greatest movie since Citizen Kane. I didn't really have high high hopes for it. (laughs) Okay. That's what I figured. Um, So I think it just kind of got bundled up in our mind with Snake Eyes. But, you know, we heard a lot of good things about it. So we we're like, okay, we like Marvel. We're going to take a chance on it. Um, but we're, we're so glad that we did. And again, going back to the point of Sean and Katie's character, I just love when movies do that. I think it's more authentic. It's more real for the audience member when it's just these characters that are coexisting, that are kind of independent. You know, they're, they're friends and stuff, but they have their own issues or things that they're trying to get over, you know, with uh, Sean's character kind of trying to get over his past, t- trying to turn a new leaf and let go of his past. Whereas Katie's trying to find, you know, something like just something to kind of um, point her arrow, so to speak, um, moving her forward. So I think they're having their own different issues that they're trying to get over, but that also, you know, comes back to them if that makes sense it's like exactly. compares and girls tracks to each other so i thought their dynamic was great i wouldn't be surprised if the the actor and the actress are actually really good friends in real life oh i'm um, sure yeah because they just had that really good of chemistry and honestly you just don't really see it to that level in a lot of movies that level of believability yeah i thought they were both really phenomenal i think aquafina's character was really hilarious throughout so i'm, I'm glad i'm glad they 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 paired them up for sure totally totally and uh, going, moving away from the the whole body of the movie and just getting into the end credits, we got two end credits. Right, I'm mainly gonna be talking about the first one because the second one's really short. But we get introduced to the fact that Wong calls for Sean and Katie to come with him at the end of the movie, and then it picks up in the first end credit scene. They're looking over the ring, and it it we get we have a close up of Wong. And then you hear a voice on the side and look who it is. It's Mark Ruffalo, obviously being Bruce Banner, <laughs> which is awesome. I, I I love Marvel's ability to do end credit scenes. It's awesome. 
And so we get Bruce Banner and then we got Brie Larson, Captain Marvel. And they're talking and going over it. And it's something about it where they're like, I, we've never, what is this? We haven't seen this before uh, in, in regards to the rings. And I love the fact that they did that because there's that poignant moment where Wong tells Sean and Katie, he's like, get some sleep because your lives are not going to be the same anymore. And I, and I, it's that thing of like, this is, I love that this is the first new character being introduced in a long time. Like it almost feels like it's a, it, this is the start of a brand new thing. Does that make sense? No, a hundred percent. I feel like that M credits was kind of like the setup for the next, you know, Thanos arc. That's what I'm going to call it. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's setting up that overarching story that they're going to be telling. Um, even with like the trailers for the, the Eternals, there's already like some hints that there's going to be this overarching um, villain or issue or problem that they're going to have to resolve. Totally. Um, so I, I'm very excited to see what exactly that is. Uh, I'm not so knee deep in the, in the in the comics to know what that might be um, chronologically after Infinity War, uh, but I am very interested to see where it goes. Um, and like you said, it's just interesting that you know they're passing the baton to these brand new characters. It's not like Captain America or Iron Man. It's like these brand new characters that are getting re you know getting introduced into this universe, and they're going to be there doing their own thing. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. Um, exactly. I just don't know exactly what <laughs> what that looks like, and so I'm a little I'm a little excited. I'm very excited, but I'm just a little like you know curious as to what that's going to be. So it's going to be definitely really interesting as how that plays out. Yeah, I have my theories. So in, in regards to the end credits, we get Bruce Banner. His arm is in a sling. Uh, my only my only assumption in regards to that is the fact that his arm. Well, the the one crazy thing is the fact that he's not Hulk anymore. He he is just Bruce Banner. He's not he's not even the in between of uh dr banner kind of uh right he's just straight up bruce he just straight up bruce banner that's a very good point i'm guessing that one he somehow overcome the ability to come back to human form and on top of that his arm is broken and i'm assuming still from the fact that that attempt to do that snap in endgame so that is what i feel is going on in that regard wise like everything in regards to before that i'm not sure what happened we might find out what's going on there maybe in like the She-Hulk movie that's that means show that's coming out next year. Um, and then lastly, we get Brie Larson, who was there for a little bit. Uh, and then she has to dip because something happens. And then she goes and we get that funny exchange between Bruce and, and Sean. Bruce leaves. And then we leave it off with Wong, Sean, and Katie just having a great old time in the karaoke. So I think my theory is I think Bruce was making an omelet. Um the day prior or something like that and i guess he was like cooking up some bacon and some bacon grease just kind of fell on the kitchen floor and he just like kind of slipped and just kind of broke his arm Um, we've all been there yeah exactly i I think has nothing to do with the story not just totally kidding but um (laughs) that'd be pretty funny if that was right it was like a false herring um yeah again i I did i did pick up on that as well and i'm actually really glad you brought that up because i actually forgot about that point but yeah bruce being back to normal because uh I think it was Endgame, right? Uh, yes. The last one that they were all together. Um, he he was still that in between phase where he was still Hulk, but he was like like sentient Hulk, like he was like still like you know Bruce Banner mentally. Yeah. Um, so that's actually really cool. So I want to see if they're gonna develop that any further and just kind of see what uh Kevin what Captain Marvel was up to. I wonder if that was actually like something that they're gonna reveal further on because I think she has her own movie coming up as well yes um, the marvels or something like that yes. I think it's called 
Um, so that's actually really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I actually never saw Captain Marvel when it came out, so I really Ooh. don't know a whole lot about her character. Sorry, okay. everybody on the podcast. Uh, don't <laughs> don't come outside my house with the crucifix, but uh, <laughs> to not watch the movie. Um, but I am interested to see what how that all pans out because again, like especially. And movies, especially movies with this degree, where there's so much money being involved and um, a lot of a lot of things at stake, you know, things are put in place for a reason. Nothing, nothing oh, yeah. is random. Absolutely, nothing is random, and that's the biggest takeaway. So everything means something to some degree. Uh, so it'll definitely be interesting how that all plays out. Um, but yeah, I love the karaoke scene. I laughed. I died. I actually <laughs> went to the bathroom. I guess when they went to the first time in the, earlier in the movie when they went to karaoke, and my girlfriend oh, had to film man on that really? part. So I didn't see that part, but I laughed my butt off because they were singing Hotel California. <laughs> so that was the part I was talking about when they were uh, at the sisters' compound uh, in China, and she's uh, the, the Katie character was fighting um, the mask guy. I don't remember what his name was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Like and, and she starts singing Hotel California. I love when movies <laughs> do that, when they like bring something up and then they, you know, bring, it, it, it comes up somewhere later in the in the movie. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, super excited. I think even more so with the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out, um, Ooh, was Far yeah. From Home. I think we're going to get a lot of answers to these questions. Um, I feel like we could have a whole podcast dedicated to just that, but I'm going to hold off on saying anything more. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm very interested. Everything's very intertwined, and I'm really excited to see how it all turns out. Oh, for sure, dude. And I'm actually excited because I feel like Wong so far is playing that that uh, that Nick Fury part, and I love him. Dude. Oh, he's, wow, yeah. He's doing such a great job, and like you see, like he's in the trailer for Far From Home. He's here in Shang-Chi. Like, I can see him being like that. He he has more of a maturity than than Doctor Strange does, but we all know Doctor Strange is probably amongst all of them, maybe the strongest one. But he's still trying to figure that out. And so Wong, being that older mentor guy, he's playing that perfect in between role between everywhere. Um, and in regards to the ring, like I said, they were looking at the rings. I I don't know. I really don't know what what it could be signaling as. He does this thing where they zoom into the ring, and there's a pulse, and it looks like it's a beacon <laughs> to something. Right. And I, I, my only thing is this, there's this weird design to the ring whenever they were zoomed in on it, that kind of gave me a lot of Eternals vibes. When you look at the newest Eternals trailer, uh, you see, I don't even know any of their names. So I'm just going to call the actors <laughs> out. Um, we see um Kumail Nanjiani he has this power where he has like his fingers turn into guns and so like there's there's this aesthetic to their powers that is very uh wispy there's like a wisp to it there's line work everywhere and I saw that exact same style of line work going on within the rings so I'm guessing the rings might show up or might have some sort of origin with the Eternals I think that's with the way that they might get introduced I really hope that's what happens because that'd be pretty cool. Guys, don't, I mean, we'll see in November when the Eternals comes out. And in regards to the beacon, I I only have a couple things. I, I, I There's only one thing I think it is connected to. I don't know if you've seen, Michael, the Loki show. I have not. You have I've not. not. Okay. I actually got Disney Plus again just recently. So I'm actually going to have to binge all that real quick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I recommend anyone who's interested in anything going on with Marvel right now, check out the Loki TV show. It is actually pretty good. I think we get to the end 
where we're introduced to what is possibly going to be the next big baddie for the rest of the entire MCU right now. Uh, we had Thanos, and then at the end of the Loki TV show, we get the next big guy. And so uh, the fact that you haven't watched it, I don't want to spoil that yet, but I do think that that has some connection as to what's going on here because the TV show as a whole takes place with these group of people called the TVA, and they're the ones that make sure that the timeline stays intact. And so... I think the beacon that we're getting from has to do with anything regarding the TVA. What does that mean? You ask, you have to find out by watching the show. Um, <laughs> okay. And then lastly, at the very, very end, there's one more end credit scene and it is showing off. Jai Ling is now in charge of her father's uh, dojo and palace. And I love that we get that sweeping shot of her sitting at the throne and it starts panning out and we see just, a bunch of women are fighting and it's kind of like it's literally the same shot from the very beginning but with her father is only men and then this time it's women and then it shows that it's a mixture of both men and women are fighting and i love that they made that intentional and that they did that um and then it says at the very end that the 10 rings will return what does that mean we want to wait and find out i think that has to do with like a disney plus show honestly so but, I actually didn't see that second end credit. So I didn't even know there was a second end credit to the first one. So we watched the first one where, you know, with Wong and everything. I remember that. Oh, I really? don't remember the big ass. So was that after the, all the credits? The second, yeah. the second one? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's probably why. <laughs> we, we, we ran out of there basically after the, the first end credit. So um, that's actually very interesting. I, I can imagine they're doing like, the, I mean, I think a lot of what Disney Plus has been doing with the Marvel characters is that they've been getting them like their own spinoffs. Uh, like, you know, with the Winter Soldier and the Falcon, Loki. Um so I would agree. I, I could see them doing like a whole, you know, story around the the sister character having her own, you know, series and stuff like that. That'd be really For interesting sure. to see. Even with Sean maybe involved somehow. Um, I think that'd be really cool to see how prominent that'd be. I don't know what that would entail, to be honest with you. I'm not too familiar with the the Sean Sean Cheek comics to kind of figure out um where they might go next. But I, I mean, again, I love this world. I love the characters. I'm very interested in it. Um, so I'll definitely be more than happy to check it out. And if they do, uh, end up doing a Disney plus show for sure. Oh yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm extremely excited. And just to finish off my last words in regards to the movie Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, I highly recommend it. Go see you guys. If you have the opportunity to it's do out so now, yes, definitely. It's out now. Definitely check it out. Very good cinematography. If you like fighting movies, it's a great fighting movie. If you like movies, with a lot of heart, I mean, he's got a lot of heart. He like family dynamics. If you like, if you like the Eagles, you like the Eagles. And you like Hotel California. You know that's <laughs> a, it's a fantastic movie for that too. Definitely very check it point. out. Very, very well said, Robert. And if you guys, if you guys want to, if you, if, if some of y'all don't want to go to the movie theaters, it is coming out on November twelfth on Disney Plus. So Ooh. y'all can wait for that. No extra charge. It will be right there on Disney Plus, along with the rest of the entire MCU with it. Um, Love that. Lastly. Guys, you, you thought you're you thought you're done. You think you got to the end. <laughs> you think you you think oh they're done with the movie. That's it, right? Uh, we're practically done. But we got one more segment to go, and it is movies that are coming up. And in this moment, we're gonna look into what is coming up that we might be interested in watching for the next podcast. So far, what I have is we've got upcoming Dear Evan Hansen coming out September twenty fourth. We got The Guilty coming out September 24th and on Netflix on October 1st, we have the many saints of new work on October 1st. And then we get venom. Let there be carnage on October 1st. 
Michael, is there any of these within these four? And I kind of grabbed the the ones that I know for a fact will be in most theaters. Is there any within these four that kind of grabs your attention? Most definitely. Um, I'll be very honest. I I don't. I've seen the the poster for Dear Evan Hansen. I have no idea what that movie's about. Same. Um, if <laughs> okay, so we're on the same page. I really have no idea. I haven't seen any trailers that at least I can think of uh, for the movie. Um, I wonder if that's for a particular reason. I don't know if it's like a lower, more lower budget or indie film that, that's coming out. It but, is based uh, off of a play. That's all I know. Uh, oh, I know okay. Vanessa in particular is actually really excited for that movie, but I've, I've, I've only seen but one trailer. I've not seen it being played anywhere else. So. Gotcha. So you probably have a better grasp. Do you have like any, any info for our viewers who might not know a whole lot about it? Uh, can you give uh, like a two sentence summary? Yeah. All, all I will say is it kind of feels like, uh, I, I know acid, it's a very depressing, sad movie based off of what I know, like based off of what oh, God. <laughs> uh, the only, the only thing I know about is what Vanessa's told me. And she said that it is a very sad, depressing story. Um, oh, man. so that's all I know for the, for the listeners out there. So, uh, you Fair take enough. that what you can. Gotcha. Um, the guilty, I don't, I can't even put a uh, picture or (laughs) thought to the name. Um, I'm I'm sure I've seen something for it. I just, I can't remember. Uh, the many saints of Newark. I've seen that trailer like 6,000 times. Um, I'm honestly, I've never watched the Sopranos. I have no real expectations. Um, like I said, I watched Goodfellas like a couple of months ago and it kind of got me, you know, kind of like a little bit more into like gangster movies. Okay. Um, Okay. So depending on the reviews, I might check it out. Um, all I know is the the main protagonist, his character's hair kind of pisses me off. Uh, kind of <laughs> kind of looks like a coconut head from uh, Netflix Classified. Oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so I kind of take it makes it hard for me to believe like he's like this tough guy character. Um, uh, it's very you could very much tell like this is going to take place in like New Jersey or New York. It's kind of got that uh, hey, I'm walking here kind yeah, of uh, yeah. attitude to it. So. Um, I don't know. I kind of like those kind of movies, kind of makes me laugh. So I'll, I might just watch it just for for, for the kicks. Um, that might, might be interesting. But Venom, Let There Be Car- Carnage, man. Honestly, I'm very excited. Um, really? I'm, I'm very excited. I love the Venom character. I love Tom Hardy. I think Woody Harrelson's phenomenal. No I think there's a lot of good things going for this movie. I think, and I mean, Andy Serkis uh, is the one that's directing it. So sure he's is, the one sure that is. did... Um, little gremlin thing from uh the lord of the rings uh schmiegel schmiegel <laughs> <laughs> whatever his name is um yeah so i'm actually very excited andy circus is a phenomenal actor and i only know that's going to translate well um as a director so i'm very i think it has a lot of good things going for it my only concern is that there may be a lot of studio interference which happens quite a bit so yeah. if, if if this movie does suck i'm gonna chalk it up to uh sony just putting their little grubby hands uh, all over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm very cautiously optimistic. And this is coming from a guy who didn't watch the first one. I did not watch the first Venom. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I'm. This, this would be my first Venom movie, but I'm really excited. I've always liked the, the Carnage versus uh, Venom arc and the Spider-Man comics. I'm, I'm really, you know, really excited to see how this one turns out. Okay. So I thought you were speaking on that in regards to the fact that you have already seen the first Venom movie. So oh, no. <laughs> that, ex- that explains a lot about your, the, your sentiment right now. Uh, I am also a very big fan of Venom and Carnage. Like anything regarding Venom, Carnage, Spider-Man as a whole, I love it. Um, the first Venom movie was just oh, complete God. garbage. I'm sorry. Oh. It was, to me, it was really, really bad. But I'm breaking my heart here. <laughs> I will say that everything that I'm hearing in regards to Let There Be Carnage, 
I'm not saying that I'm hearing people say this is like the the second coming of Christ. Like I'm hearing, <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of people say that it's good. And as a matter of fact, the lot of people who have already seen early screens for the movie have been saying that the ending to the movie is making a lot of people pop off in a good way. So that in and of itself gets me excited. Um, the guilty is a movie that stars Jake Jonah Hall. That is literally, uh, he, he works, uh, he's a dispatcher and he just talks to people calling in for nine hundred one one calls. Um, and then the many saints of new work. I've not seen the Sopranos whatsoever. This is technically like a prequel. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing you should be able to watch this without having to see the, the Sopranos, but do not take my word for it because for all we know, the movie starts off and it's like showing up the ending of the TV show and you have to have watched the entire show to Oh just, God! Yeah, you know, I heard that ending was pretty bad for the the show. I think that was very controversial. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> um, maybe some of the view, the listeners might know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it was a very <laughs> controversial ending from when it came out. Um, and then just jumping back to Venom real quick, I did want to look up the original director for the first movie. So it was a different guy, some guy named Ruben uh, Fletcher or something like that, Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so different director might be a different movie entirely. With the second one, might be you know better than the first one for sure maybe truer to the source material so again even more excited now because i know it's if the first one did suck it's not the same director so hopefully <laughs> for sure for uh, sure it's going to be a lot better but and that's yeah, a good man. that's a good point because andy circus could be bringing something else and i think andy circus already works so much with cgi that i oh, he has yeah. he has such a good eye for that i mean he's he's played uh Schmiegel, he's played caesar in the planet of the apes movies like he right. knows his stuff so he, he hopefully from, he uh, can do that well he comes from a gig. That's a very good point. I didn't even think about it. He comes from a very high pedigree of, you know, working on CGI movies. So if anything, he's the best guy for this job. Cause yeah. I think especially with motion capture, um, he's definitely going to have the eye and feel for what the camera needs um, out of these actors. Um, and I hope that translates well into the actual finished product. So again, my only concern is just studio interference. I think there's a lot of money that's writing on this movie. Being totally successful. Um, just even with the release dates, I don't know if you've seen a lot of that controversy. I think Sony's been incredibly kind of, uh, you know, nervous on releasing this movie. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of the quality of the movie. I don't know if it's because they're trying to see how these other superhero movies. I think they wanted to see how Shang Chi did first, kind of like the test dummy, <laughs> yeah. um, to see how it did theatrically before they did anything. Because I think they even played it safe with the original second change, which was I think October fifteenth. And I think Shang-Chi, where I read somewhere, it did so well that they went ahead and decided to move it forward two weeks. So mm. it went back to October 1st. So I'm very optimistic. I think October is going to be a phenomenal month for movies. Um, Dune comes out, oh, I think, yeah. in October as well. The new Halloween movie comes out in October. A lot of great movies are coming out in October. So I've been, oh, I've yeah. been really dying for, for this month to come around. So definitely a lot of good movies to watch, uh, including the ones we just mentioned right now. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I think as of right now, I might be leaning on us actually doing a review on Venom, Let There Be Carnage, but that could change. We don't know. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to tune in next week, guys. You're going to have to figure it out, see what we end up talking about. So uh, I, got, I got a good feeling. I think Venom or The Many Saints of New York would be really cool. One of these other movies might be great as well. Uh, I just, again, like have zero <laughs> totally. expectations. I'll take uh, my girlfriend Jenna to go watch them. I think she'd definitely be down to watch Venom for sure. Um, so she'd be really excited for that. Totally. Totally. All right, Michael, to end this podcast off, do you have any, uh, last things that you want to say before we, we end this off? 
Honestly, man, I think this was a, a match in heaven. I think I, I underestimated <laughs> how much I was going to like doing something like this, but I'm, I'm really grateful that you, you, you know, gave me the opportunity to be here, man. Um, I just don't really get the opportunity to talk about movies very often. Um, so this was, this is very, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, very uh, therapeutic to say the least. Nice, nice. <laughs> to be able to talk about movies and stuff and just have someone that's also a film buff that's so, you know, knowledgeable what they're talking about. So super excited to be on here, man. Hopefully, you know, I stay on here and hope I don't get booed off by the audience uh, <laughs> by, before the next episode. So, but uh, no, yeah, man. No. Um, other than that, definitely watch Shang-Chi if you haven't watched it. Definitely a great movie. And it sounds like I got a lot of homework to do with uh, Disney Plus and watching everything that's on there. <laughs> it's what it sounds like to get caught up. So totally. And uh, guys, everything in regards to what Michael does, I'm going to have his stuff in the summary notes so you can go check oh, it out. Damn. Michael, you have uh, a YouTube channel. Where would you like everyone to go find you? Yes. So <laughs> I actually have two now. Um, believe it or not. So if you're just strictly un- interested in film stuff, I, I actually am starting my own film channel where I'm doing more of a film That's analysis good. where That's I'm good. just kind of going into d- deeper uh, philosophy, character analysis, stuff like that, just kind of analyzing film through that lens it's called the duke of film it's gonna have a little icon of a popcorn guy with 3d glasses um right now there's like one subscriber it's my girlfriend so (laughs) (laughs) you you know you found the right page when there's no videos there's only one subscriber so definitely look out for that one um if you're interested in in in, um those kind of videos I, i should be cranking out some uh coverage for that next month um if you're interested in video games and stuff like that i'm doing uh playthroughs right now on my other channel it's called verlin voids definitely check that one out and then uh, if you want to see any of the movies that i've done or anything that i've done personally as a director and writer definitely check me out on cinemaparadisestudios.com that's my production company that has all the projects i've worked on professionally feel free to check this out you know drop a little like drop a little hate comment whatever you like (laughs) (laughs) tell me i suck um Feel free to check that out. Um, it would mean a lot to me. But yeah, man, thank you very much for having me on board. I'm I'm super excited. I'm actually really happy that you know we're we're doing this, man. Yeah, dude. Same, same, same. I'm actually really excited for this podcast. Like I said, guys, everything in regards to Michael's links will be in the description down below. Those who are listening on any pa- uh, podcast platform, please make sure to rate the podcast. I don't care if you do. Actually, I do care. Make sure it's a five star. Okay. So that <laughs> five way, stars. that right, way, whenever people are searching up movie podcasts, the more five stars we get, the more relevant we'll be on the top of that list. So we want more people to find us, more people to listen to us. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, whatever podcast that you're using, make sure you go push that share button, share it on your social media feeds. I'm going to have the audio on the YouTube channel as well. So make sure that you guys, if you're watching, if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, and comment down below. Smash (laughs) that sub button. Dude, smash it so hard. Smash the sub. (laughs) And make sure that you guys check out all the other videos that I have on the Ambitious Casual channel. This is all going to be on one place. So along with the Press Play movie podcast, I'm also having the XP podcast, which is my bi-weekly video game podcast that there you can just find me adam and austin talking about all things video games so check that out and uh that's it this is the end of the press play episode one thanks for listening thanks for joining us guys until next time enjoy enjoy that movie and uh, keep eating that popcorn
There you go. Thank you, guys.